Welcome to the Headache Situation podcast series, a public service of the Michigan Headache and Neurology Clinic in East Lansing, Michigan. Please listen to the following disclaimer. The content of these podcasts is made available for informational and educational purposes only. It cannot be used to make a diagnosis or treat any health condition. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Okay, and now let's get on with the podcast. Everybody and welcome back. Uh, this is Ed Messina, neurologist and headache sufferer and headache specialist, uh, with another episode of the Headache Situation. In this episode, we will talk about how to track your headaches. It's not just to keep you busy, but in fact, this is what leads to getting good results. Nobody can treat you unless they know how you're doing, and it's very hard to express how you're doing unless you follow some simple rules. And we'll go over all that today. So that's our plan today, is to give you the tools you need to demand better care. It's that simple. As I always say, um, our presentation is not sponsored by any drug company, hospital, insurance company, or anyone else. This is strictly a public service from the Michigan Headache and Neurology Clinic in East Lansing, Michigan, of which I'm the medical director. We decided to have this series because we're so frustrated by hearing about people all over the country who are having a hard time We get a lot of interesting messages about people's difficulties, and uh, this is our way, we hope, of getting people to get better medical care. It's a bear to have headaches. I know I get them. They're horrible, and it'd be nice to have an approach, and it's not that hard to control headaches. It's not rocket science, as somebody once said. Now, here's where we get a few people upset. Not patients, but people who... um, think they know all about headaches, but really don't, but write computer programs about them. You know, I uh, I don't know, I look both ways when I go out into the parking lot after a day's work to be sure there were no assassins out there because I know I'm uh, angering a few people and I'll show you why. Call it old school, but I don't even like the word old school. I mean, it's school. Uh, old school means something outmoded. And uh, you know, frankly, the eraser on the end of a pencil is a pretty good idea. It's been around a while. And so is the concept of pen and paper. And I'll show you why we think uh, a simple, simple tracking system is superior to a lot of these apps that are out there. Now, I'm a big fan of technology. Uh, Our clinic has basically pioneered a lot of expert systems uh, related to healthcare and and headache, but we frankly get our best results from people who keep track on a simple piece of paper. And I'm gonna show you this later. And you should be able to download a copy of it from the headachesituation.com website. Okay, here's the deal. Every time a new app comes out, I check it out, I play with it a little bit, you know, and, and they're clever and all that, and they look, if you're a programmer, like a really elegant piece of work. But if you're a doctor who treats patients with headache and you have to look at the output from these things, uh, you know, you get lost in the forest, too many trees. I will give you my version of this thing. I'm pretty biased in this way, so take this with a grain of salt. Simplicity is the best. and. Really, when you take a step backwards from the whole headache situation, what do we want to get from headache tracking? Why the heck do we want to track headaches anyway? Well, we want to get an idea of how frequent and how severe and what's the impact on quality of life. That's it. That's the bottom line. I mean, what are we really treating with headaches? We're treating quality of life. And so a headache tracking system needs to be expressing that above all. Now, as a patient, if you're tracking your headaches, you can look back at your tracking and see how well you're doing. You can see whether you're getting gradually worse in recent weeks, whether you're getting better, or whether certain triggers are giving you the headaches. You can get a lot from tracking headaches, 
It's extremely useful. It just has to be practical and useful and not punitive every time you get a headache that you have to answer 20 questions. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. So I'm proposing that people think about using a headache diary or a headache calendar. Uh, the word calendar is a little misleading because it doesn't look like a calendar with crisscross squares. Uh, a simple piece of paper with 31 lines on it is what I consider a headache diary. Now, you should make a couple of columns in it, and in this graphic, you can see the one that, that we use. It's really very, very simple. We just want to know, basically, how many days have headaches in them and how many days are blank lines. And the idea is to have a lot of blank lines and big gaps between them. And we want to know linearly where do weekends come and go and, and where do menstrual cycles begin and end. These are useful pieces of information. And really, you can only appreciate them if you look at them in a linear manner. And linear manner, which is succinct and brief, will let you take it all in to get the gestalt by looking at a single page. So as a headache specialist, I'd like to know how my patients are doing day by day, week by week, month by month. Now, most people with migraine are not going to have multiple headaches in a given day. Usually not. People with cluster might have three and four attacks in a day. So this has to all be taken into account when you put things in your headache calendar. The key is patterns. Yes, we'll see the frequency and the severity on a headache calendar, but when we look at the pattern of the headaches, we can learn a lot more. We see that some people uh, have predominantly weekend headaches. We had one patient years ago who ran a big business and the first of every month is when she had her slam bang worst headaches because that was when she wrote out all her paychecks and paid her bills. Her business was kind of hard. You have to look at patterns. That's what we get from. A common pattern in most women of childbearing age is the menstrual pattern. We'll talk about menstrual-related migraine and pure menstrual headache in another episode. But basically, uh, when you see at the beginning of a period or just before a period begins a worsening of the headaches, it may lend itself to a strategy. If you know headaches are grouped in certain times of the day or week or month, sometimes that's very useful when planning strategies to prevent them. Of course, as somebody who treats migraines, I love to look at a headache calendar that shows me diminishing and decreasing headaches from month to month over the last few months. It's very gratifying for the patient and, of course, for me. I love to see that. But the only way we know how we're getting and where we're getting is by looking at these frequencies. Now, we can be misled by seasons. There are certain seasons where headaches are more prevalent, so therefore, you have to look and take that into account. Or there are certain weather systems that'll trigger headaches but these are things people note on their headache calendar so we can get a feel for the triggers. Triggers do exist. Not everybody with headache has triggers and not everybody has a trigger food or something. Uh, there's been a big flurry of interest lately in trying to disprove the idea of, of trigger foods. Certainly they exist. They may not be as common as people think, but they're real. You can never make broad generalities about anything in medicine because you'll be wrong. Now, of course, severity, frequency, triggers, it's worthwhile tracking your sleep patterns as well. If you have certain nights with insomnia, mark them down. You're up anyway, right? But mark them down because insomnia is a trigger for migraine or disrupted sleep-wake cycles are a trigger. Now, some people who work nights, they have disrupted circadian rhythms. They might work one shift for a couple of weeks, then another shift. These are very hard people to control on headaches because there's a constant disruption of the circadian rhythm it really disrupts the brain structures which have to do with whether a headache begins. It's great if you can get the same shift all the time and it's not always practical and we understand this, especially with nurses and people that work in certain uh, industrial settings, they have to have swing shifts. 
but it's worth writing it down. Now, you know, the official term for insomnia, and I'm going to go into sleep disorders as they relate to headache. There's a lot to be said about this, and I'll do this in another episode. But uh, suffice it to say that insomnia, by definition, has to involve being sleepy the next day. The implication is that you didn't have enough sleep the night before, therefore you're tired the next day. And a lot of people think they don't sleep, but they actually they really do. And if they're not tired the next day, you have to question how severe really is the insomnia that they're reporting. And it's important to think about this. So why the heck would you get a headache when the stress lets up? Well, it's called a letdown headache and it's not that rare. I've seen it with people. I remember there was a surgeon years ago we used to see, and he only had headaches on Saturdays and Sundays. And, uh, you know, he was busy, busy operating all week long, but he was a senior enough level that he didn't have to do any call on weekends. And that's when he got his headaches. It was not fair, but we figured that out for him. And we basically got him on Simply a Med to take from Friday through Sunday, and that was all it took. And he got in good control, eventually retired, so doesn't need anything now. Another thing about weekend headaches, which is of interest and it's a little tidbit that's useful, is a lot of them occur on Sundays. People go to church and uh, they're surrounded by lots of older people and old people sometimes, they don't have such a good sense of smell and they will tend to overuse their perfume or their cologne. Usually it's the women with the, with the perfume. They'll use very strong perfumes because they might not otherwise smell it. With age comes loss of certain faculties. And um, if you're near someone who has who's basically been drenched in perfume, it's a pretty good headache trigger. It is for me, I know. I, I really need to try to avoid that. It's horrible. And it'll it's like a nail going into your head. You know, you have to be so careful to avoid that. But that's that's another weekend thing. A lot of times people on Saturdays will go out as a group and have breakfast and they might eat things that have certain triggers in their foods, uh, certain uh, preserved meats or sausage or bacon or whatever. You know, some people do have triggers there, and they're real, no question, they're real. They're not common, but they're real. But again, you have to think about all these things, just try to logically figure out, because common sense is a solution to many problems. Now, I haven't gotten anybody angry in the last five minutes, so here's another one, okay? <laughs> I Sorry, I don't make this stuff up. It's just that some things get people upset. And uh, a lot of these uh, so-called uh, pain clinics uh, tell patients, give me a scale of 1 to 10, how much you're hurting. Well, frankly, when someone comes in and says, I had a 7.3 headache yesterday, but today it's only a 6.8, I have no idea what they're talking about. You know, from day to day, I have no idea what those numbers mean. They don't tell me anything. It's like trying to measure an earthworm. You know, they're kind of wiggly and, you know, they could stretch long or short. You know, it's not precise. And when you talk to most people, they all tell you the same thing. Everybody says, I have a very high tolerance to pain, which, again, doesn't help at all because I don't know what that means. So how do I get around this? How do I really judge how well a person is doing, especially when they write the intensity of their headaches on their headache calendar? Okay, here's my solution. Quantitation of pain, not reproducible, not accurate, the so-called analog model of pain where people are supposed to take a pen and uh, draw a little scale like a thermometer next to a picture of a, of a person's body and say, here's my pain level. I don't know, you know, it's maybe useful in pain elsewhere in the body, but it's not that useful in the headache world. We need to talk about function. Remember, the whole idea of tracking headaches is to see what the impact is on our function. If you wanna know how function is impaired, then you should use a function-based scoring system for pain. So up on the screen here is my five-point scale. It's not mine. I, many other doctors use the same scale. And uh, it's very practical. If you look at it, you know, the grades go from 
grade one through five, uh, grade zero, of course, there's no headache, and that's good. The grade one headache is mild. You know, you know it's there, but you're not going to do anything about it. You'll just, you know, soldier on, keep going. Uh, grade two, pain requires some intervention, um, but it doesn't keep you from doing anything. You stay at work, you keep teaching, keep sitting in a classroom, whatever. You know, you, you might take something, you might not need to, but if you take something, it's, it's a grade two headache. If you felt compelled, you need to treat it. A grade three, the pain is disruptive. Um, you're not working at peak capacity, but you're able to get something done. You're functioning, but not functioning well. And obviously, you've probably taken something to try to get control of it. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're just suffering through it. But it's disrupting your function. And that's the level of pain that entails reduced function. In grade four, you're unable to carry on your activity, period. You're not just impaired. You can't do it. You can't sit at that desk another minute. The light is driving you crazy. You can't bear it. The pain is so distracting. You can't do anything. You basically pain or nausea, and nausea is part of this too. You know, uh, your pain might not be so bad, but the nausea might be keeping you from functioning well. So, so that's important as well in this scale. So, with a with a grade four headache, you can't carry on. Either the pain and or the nausea are keeping you from functioning. So, you, you got to get out of there. A grade five, basically you're home, you're in bed. Unclassy example I use for this is that you're lying in bed, your head is buried under the pillow, trying to keep away from sound and from light and every other interruption, and your poor little dog is up next to the bed, you know, kind of whining, you know, Fido wants to go outside. And, you know, frankly, you're saying, Fido, I can't do it, I can't help you. Just lie down or I don't care, poor doggy. I, I just don't care. I can't, I can't do anything. I'm stuck in this bed. And that's pretty dramatic. And, you know, a lot of people have no idea that some of us go through things like this. You know, most people get low-grade tension-type headaches, even moderate-grade, but they, you know, they're gone. And it's not the same. They are not in the same class as people with the kind of headaches I'm talking about. So when you're describing your headaches functionally like this, it helps, again, for the physicians and nurse practitioners and physician assistants, it helps them better get what you're going through and how you're literally impaired by these headaches. And a lot of times it's not even the pain level as much as the fact that it's taking your vision. Um, migraine, you know, can begin with an aura, a visual aura, which can take away a part of your vision. Like in the center of your vision, you can have little flashing lights or scintillations where everything's shimmering or very pretty kaleidoscopic patterns. I remember once I was dictating, it was at work, and I was in the back room dictating a note, and I was able to read off a piece of paper into my dictation. But when I looked up at my wife, who's my nurse, and tried to talk to her, nothing came out. It was, it was taking away the speech, which migraine can do. Then I looked back down at the paper, and I was starting to lose part of the what I was looking at, and pretty soon I was useless. I just uh, kept babbling into the into the recorder. I figure we can use this for some book or research study someday. And, uh, you know, like they usually do, it cleared up and everything was fine. But the point was, it took away uh, some time, productivity time. And that's worth mentioning when you're talking about your headaches. And since I said a lot of people get tension-type headaches, you know, those of us with migraine, we can get, we can get low-grade headaches too. You know, it's not unusual to have more than one headache type. Uh, usually we don't pay attention to the low-grade one because we've got a world-class throbber in our head. But, you know, you can have multiple levels of headaches. 
A lot of people have low-grade daily headaches with flare-ups once or twice or five times a week. And uh, this is what you put on your calendar. You know, you can put the little level one headaches uh, on, on, on many days on your headache calendar and then put in the big flare-ups on other days. The thing is, when you have more than one headache on a given day, just take the most severe one because that's the one that needs to be on the chart. You know, if you have a little one and a big one, I mean, the big one is the one that needs to be charted because that's the target for treatment. That's the one we need to start preventing more aggressively. And uh, the reporting of your headaches becomes much more accurate when you use a five-point scale. It re really means something. I suppose with a 10-point scale, you can have a 10 or a zero. I suppose that would define a difference from one day to the next. But beyond that, the in-between ones, use your functional scale. It's so simple to use, and it's right there on the screen. And um, I think it's printed in the margin of the headache diary, which will get you to download if you want it. It'll be a PDF file. Now, a finer measure of headaches and impact on life can be done on the screen. I'm, I'm noting here the HIT-6 and the MIDAS scales. These are formal scales uh, which are used to measure uh, headache severity and impact on daily life. We all, all of our I think pretty much every headache clinic uses one or both of these scales just to get an idea when we first meet somebody. Like with the Midas, uh, you know, above 20 is a really significant impact on your quality of life. And I meet numerous people who are in the 200s. You know, the impact on life over the last three months. The HIT-6 is more dedicated to a shorter block of time, and it's a shorter-term reporting, and it's more useful probably in certain types of research. They're both very useful. And you, just by using the names of each of these, you, you can download them. Just Google them and uh, download the, the, the PDF file or whatever. And you can use these. Uh, you can bring it in when you go to meet your doc the first time. It's something useful, and you can retake it every few months and see how you're doing if, if you don't already have a good feel for how you're doing. Okay, so in the previous uh, episode, I talked about how to talk to your doctor or a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant, and so it is with this one, too. I'm basically telling you that tracking your headaches with a tool such as the headache diary and uh, even the HIT-6 or the Midas scales, they lend more importance to the severity of which you're trying to convince them. The bottom line is you need to accurately define what it is you're going through so you can get the best care. And by defining it on a regular week-by-week, month-by-month basis, you're going to get a feel for whether or not you're getting anywhere, whether you're benefiting, whether you're doing better, whether you're doing worse, because that might be very important. It might change your diagnosis. But don't be discouraged. You know, when people go on diets and they tell them, well, write down every day what you're taking, what you're eating, and they're amazed. I didn't realize, I forgot I was eating that much. They don't realize how much they've been eating, you know, like, I don't know, license plates, I don't know, whatever they eat. They, um, you know, snack here, here's a couple of M&Ms that were sitting around, I ate those. They, they, they forget, and then when they track them, that's a, that's a useful tool for people to diet. That they makes them more aware of eating too much. Well, so it is with headaches. When you start tracking them, you become more aware of the headaches that you were having, but they look more dramatic to you. So don't be discouraged when you first start tracking these babies because it'll look like you have a lot of headaches. Well, you probably do, and maybe they're not as good as you think they are, or maybe you're doing worse than you really even thought you were doing. But there's your baseline, and that's what you can compare your future with. You can show how you're benefiting or not benefiting. It's the best way to know where you are, because you're dealing with factual information this way. Like I said, bottom line, track everything to be sure you get better care. Above all, don't lose hope. This will help you define the problem so you can get it fixed. And never give up on your headaches. Never give up. There's always something that's going to help or make them better. Not everybody gets zero headaches per day the rest of their life. Most people will eventually do much better with the proper interventions. And we'll talk about the approach to headache in another 
another video. I think the next one we do will be about the general approach towards headache. In the meantime, please press subscribe on YouTube or friend us or like us with Facebook and let's get the word out to as many people as possible. And please stay tuned to us by being part of us, being part of the headache situation. There's a separate website called, like I said, thehadachesituation.com, in which we will sometimes have little downloads and things for people as well. Everything helps. So good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. There are many more in this series, so please subscribe to us and follow our other offerings at www.theheadachesituation.com. And this is Ed Messina signing off for now.